1: I about threw up, all Right? Have a little bit more social awareness. That's to take a piss. Don't take a shit in the porta-potties, all right? All right, welcome to another edition of the Budding Heads Podcast on Ramstalk Radio. I'm Steve Ribeiro, as always, here with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, uh, it's it's been an interesting week for both of us, as for our long longer-term listeners, if they remember you inviting me to a fantasy league on the podcast. Well, we finally played, and I won. So I'm just curious for your thoughts.
3: Steve got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean kudos to Steve because he he's actually doing really well in the league, and I believe you're second place now, right?
1: I am in second. I have won seven straight games, seven and two. It's uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on a roll. <laughs>
3: but on the real though, he got lucky. <clears throat> Justin Jackson, Justin Jackson showed up for one play and then decided that his knee was going to bother him the rest of the game. <laughs> And got me a whopping zero fucking points. So thank you, Justin Jackson, for ruining it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he caused, uh, I saw some tough L's around my leagues this week for people that had Justin Jackson in the lineup. It was, uh, (laughs) it's always the worst when the guy goes on the first play, gets you no points. Uh, It's rough. But hey, man, that's part of the game. And my team won. So I'm happy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah congrats steve you you earned that win thank you thank you uh so today's show we're coming off a bye week we don't have a rams game to talk about so we are gonna do mid-season awards which if you've listened to this podcast before i love doing arbitrary and nonsensical awards so it's the middle of the season let's hand some out um and, and before we get to that a I do got to say, Johnny, we haven't plugged this in a while since our contest ended, but if you're a new listener and you're enjoying the pod, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It's only going to help us grow our audience, um, or if you're not enjoying it that much, you can give a lesser review. I don't care. Uh, do whatever you want, but a review, so let us know how we're doing. That'd be great. Uh, we would obviously appreciate it, and I, I got to say this, too, because the Rams were on buy. But it could not have gone better because, A, all three teams in the division lost. San Francisco lost to the Packers, Seattle lost to Buffalo, and Arizona lost to Miami. And, B, Miami beat Arizona. So, A, maybe Miami's actually just good. And, B, all the teams in our divisions lost. So, like, it literally could not have gone better for the Rams if with them out last week.
3: Yeah, I have to say uh, I'm— I'm entirely surprised that the entire division lost. I mean, that I think the NFC West division in its entirety got a slice of humble pie the past few weeks, really. So, in the Rams' defense, you know, they like Steve said, the Dolphins seem to be like a legitimate team now, and um, yeah, now now moving forward, winning obviously is gonna be a, a a must for the Rams but they can breathe a little bit easier considering the entire division last lost last week so um yeah it, it was it was good to be a ram fan last week just because now uh the division doesn't seem so out of reach now but let's let's face it though this doesn't make it easy completely easier for the Rams because there's quite a few things that the Rams need to do, like win in their division, which so far this season they haven't. So that's another story, though.
1: Yeah, but I'm pretty sure if uh, if they win this week and Arizona loses – we are in first place in the division. So uh, we we have a chance to move up, uh, which which is crazy considering what the podcast was last week. I will say this. Uh, we could touch on the Seattle game a little bit at the end. But like this is we are going to know what if the Rams can actually compete for anything after this game. Because like win or lose, what we have seen in Seattle is that their defense fucking sucks. Like they have not the, the lowest point total they've given up. Was twenty three. Like, every other game has been more than twenty three points. They've given up over thirty points, uh, four times in eight games. So, it's like if we if we can't score against Seattle, then our offense has serious problems. Is what I'm saying. You know, we haven't seen the offense really just go off like hardcore in a while. Especially that Miami game; it was at its worst. So, like, we need to see the offense put up points. And, even like, if we lose 36 to 33, I'm not going to feel bad about the team uh, because Seattle's offense is one of the best in the league. They have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. They have one of the best receiving cores in the league. Uh, they have one of the better running backs in the league. So it's, you know, if, if, if they shell us, defense, like, I'm not going to be concerned about the defense, but if our offense can't put up points uh, against Seattle— then I have no hopes for the team for the rest of the year.
3: Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. The Seahawks defense is pretty mediocre, if I'm going to be honest.
1: Now, it's bad. That, I think it's straight up bad.
3: <laughs> That's pretty strong words there, Steve. But no, you're absolutely right, though. The, the stats kind of speak for themselves there. And uh, I will say to be very cautious, though, just because, as we've mentioned many times to the point where it's kind of getting annoying, uh, of course our our divisional rivals are going to play us tougher than any team. And the Seahawks, they're pretty much the kings at doing that. Um, So I would not underestimate their defense at all. But I will say this, as much as we've seen – the offense struggle recently, I do still think that they have a very talented offense. And um, I, I think against the Seahawks defense, I'm pretty confident. in. It. Now, Steve, you said you'd be okay with losing uh, 36 to 33. And to put it into context, I know you really mean, I know what you really mean there. I personally would not be okay with it just because while the Seahawks offense is actually what keeps them winning. It's still not okay because this is a big test for the Rams defense, and for them to, you know, play like like shit. That's not what you want to see, especially considering the amount of money that uh, the Rams front office invested in this defense. We talk a lot about the terribleness of the. Uh, linebacking core, which it's very apparent. But considering the secondary um, is supposedly, you know, being one of the more elite secondaries out there, I would at least hope that they can keep the game competitive. I, I don't know if you can sit there and say that they they can't score on the Rams defense at all, because I think that'd be a very tall task to do but I would be very disappointed to see that the defense didn't do much of anything is what I'm getting at.
1: Yeah. But yeah. That's fair. I mean, and I, to me, it's just more like, I think I'd feel better about that than I would feel about a, I don't know, even if it's a like I'd obviously have a better win than a loss, but like long-term, like a, a 13 to 10 Rams win would scare me more than a 36 to 33 Rams loss. Just because of what we've seen from the Rams offense and I mean like I think our defense is good and even if like obviously if they oh they give up 10 points like it's a pretty big statement game but at the same time like I we're not we're not the 85 bears here like we need our offense to if we're going to compete in the playoffs and that's just to me like Everyone has lit up Seattle this year. Like every every team in the league has put points up on them, and that's while their offense is just being pretty dominant. So it would just really worry me if we can't at least get twenty points on this team. Uh, which it would it would be in- incredibly concerning to me. Ah, you want to? Hey, why don't we give predictions while we're here? You know, uh, I. <laughs> <That was well. laughs> I I think it's at home. The Rams are actually favored. I do think they pull off a win. I, I'm going to say 31 to 28 Rams. I I, I think we do get that offensive bounce back game we're hoping for. I think the bye week is going to help, uh, and I think Jared Goff. He I think he'll he will be motivated in this game. And if he's not, it would be a pretty alarming. Uh, as I just mentioned a bunch of times, so I, I do think we're going to pull off the win, but it's going to be. It's going to be a good game. Hopefully, it'll be a shootout, which will be fun. I, I would love to watch these two teams play in a shootout.
3: Yeah, uh, I, I think I'm, I'm going to agree with you on this one too, Steve. I, I, I think that the Rams are coming by high week where they're a little more rested. You know, um, they're not traveling as much anymore. I think that's been kind of the consensus is that traveling back and forth to the East Coast has not been – um kind to them that's not an excuse by any means but i'm sure it doesn't help things is what i'm getting at so i i think um being at home coming off by week and you know just being well rested and even some of the guys coming back like uh jordan fuller's supposed to come back which we can certainly use him um I think that this is gonna end up helping us in the long run and, and apparently Ashawn Robinson is supposed to uh play in this game too. So the long-awaited debut of this uh this team is starting to come together. And in in the end, I think having that sort of uh chance to adjust to this uh to this game leading up to this game will give the Rams a little bit of an edge. So I'm going to say that it will be somewhat of a statement game. I'm not going to get carried away with this one per se, Uh, but I have the Rams winning this one 35-21 in a decisive victory, but not a ridiculous like, oh, they're going to completely beat the crap out of this Seahawks team. I think it's going to be a decisive victory though.
1: Yeah, Ro- Robinson coming back would be huge, especially if Chris Carson plays, which it it seems like he's going to. Uh, obviously, the Seahawks running back, and yeah, Fuller back. It, you're right; it will be finally this defense that as close to full strength as we might get this year. It would be. Uh, I I I can't wait to see Robinson play, and especially in that run defense, Carson is maybe the best running back we've played this year. Am I? Uh, we played Ezekiel Elliott, but. As the last yeah. few weeks have shown, Carson might be the best running back we played this year.
3: And uh,
1: and let me add this:
3: I also have Chris Carson on my fantasy team. So, Steve, you are so
1: fucking lucky. Oh, boohoo! I didn't have Miles Sanders. I don't want. To I didn't hear have it. Nick Chubb either.
3: Nick <laughs> Chubb is on my IR, so it shows you the exact kind of season I'm having, right?
1: Draft healthier players, Johnny. I don't know what to tell you.
3: Well, geez, if I would have known if I would have known that Chubb is finally gonna be this uh injured uh injury prone player, I think I would have avoided the guy, but eh, that's how it goes.
1: <laughs> Listen, if I could give one piece of fantasy advice quick to everyone listening, um, before we get into the awards, check your waiver wires tomorrow if you play in a league with kickers, which I think most of us do. See if somebody dropped young Hoku. And make a roster spot for him. He's on his bye week. But pick him up because that guy is balling. If you own him, you should hold him. Uh, And if you don't, see if somebody drops him because people usually don't like holding on to two kickers. But I, at the league I have him in, I will not be dropping him. And I will be looking to pick him up in every single league I'm in that I can afford to roster a second kicker. And if you can't, make room because that's the kind of kicker that's going to be winning you games in the playoffs. He is on fire. And the best and... on onside kicker kicker in the league, <laughs> not that <to> he gets you <laughs> points.
3: Yeah, that uh, that still baffles me. That whole onside kick that he got earlier this year. Uh, yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> he's legit the best. Like he's the I think he's the only kicker in the league where if you have to kick an onside kick, you actually feel good about your chances when he's going out there. Literally the only Ooh. one in, in that regard.
3: What if you have Sam Sloman though?
1: <laughs> you don't feel you don't feel confident about anything. <laughs> all <laughs> right, know. it's we've played eight games. It's time to hand out some midseason awards. Uh, we will obviously be sending full size trophies to all these players. <laughs> we will not be doing that, but uh, if they want one, feel free to hit us up, and I will personally send any of these guys who give an award. Uh, I will find a way to make one, but uh, nobody is going to ask for these. Uh, so. I kinda want one. <laughs> we Johnny, we originally had offensive and defensive MVPs, but we're just gonna we're gonna keep those as separate categories, like kinda how in the NFL they give the MVP to a quarterback and then they give the offensive player of the year to a non quarterback. Doesn't make any sense, but it is what it is. We're gonna do the same thing but on defense because we're gonna hand out a team MVP here, and this player will not be eligible for their offensive or defensive eligibility because like, we would obviously choose Aaron Donald as a defensive MVP so we're just going to give him the team MVP because he is the best player in the NFL he is the best defensive player of his generation I think uh of the last 10 years I don't really see how it's not him uh, and there's a lot of good players in that but the man is on pace to be Maybe the best interior defensive lineman ever and one of the best defensive players ever. He is almost a lock barring injury to make his, hang on, I'm counting. I'm not really good at math. His sixth straight first team all pro and his seventh straight pro bowl. And he's more than likely going to pick up his third defensive player of the year award. Uh, leads the NFL with ten sacks. He's so he's on pace for twenty, little less than he had in uh, 2018 when he almost broke the record. But still pretty damn good, uh, especially continuing considering where he plays. He's not an edge rusher. Sacks usually don't come in bunches from players at his position, but with Aaron Donald they do. And he's double teamed almost every play. So like I as I say when we always talk about Aaron Donald, I don't know what more we can say about the man. Uh, he is just a, literally he could probably win every award on this list if we wanted to give it to him, but, uh, we're just going to give him this one and move on. He's a legend. He's the best. I hope he plays here for another 10 years.
3: Yeah, seriously. The, I, I I think with any award involving the Rams MVP of any caliber is always going to go back to Aaron Donald. And you've heard enough of, you know, Steve and I gushing over the guy. So um, let's move on to the next not Aaron Donald award. In fact, we'll we'll call that the uh, the defensive MVP award is the not Aaron Donald award this year. How, how's that sound? <laughs> I,
1: I gave I gave a handful of these uh, awards names. But if you have any more, feel free to chip in. Yeah. So let's hand out the non Aaron Donald defensive MVP award. Who Who do you got here? I'll let you start.
3: This is probably gonna seem very safe, but I I feel like I have to give it to this guy, and that's Jalen Ramsey.
1: Yeah, I, the did, I did the he, same thing. No, no excitement here, but <laughs> continue.
3: It, it, there's a very fundamental fun. Well, talking's hard. Okay, there's a very fundamental reason why. I wanted to give this to Jalen Ramsey, and it isn't just because the guy is an absolute beast in coverage uh, does he let uh, a player two go every now and then? Sure, but it it happens you know it i I feel like that's how good he is is you remember the plays that he let go rather than the plays that he doesn't, which is pretty much like ninety eight percent of the plays. Like uh, I'm sure it's a little, a little uh, less than that, but you get what I mean. So for me, one of the other reasons why I give him this award is because how much of a team asset he has been for the Rams. I feel like one of the reasons why the Rams as a whole in the secondary has improved is because of him, not just his presence, but just because of his teaching skills Um, I feel like Darius Williams has stepped up because of Jalen Ramsey, and that's not something that you could really say about the other guys that have been here. Guys like the Marcus Peters or the Keep Tlaib, they played well on their own for certain, but can I honestly say that they stepped up to become a mentor for some of the younger guys? I'm sure they tried, but I don't know if they succeeded like how Jalen Ramsey happened. And even like going back to like the hard knocks, at, um, you know, back earlier in the off season, if you actually stayed awake for any of those, you would see that Jalen Ramsey was also teaching guys like Van Jefferson how to approach the defense, and any way you can help your team out like that, that's gold. That that's money right there, and um, something you definitely want to see in some of your star athletes. You see that. And guys like Aaron Donald, I was actually pleasantly surprised to see that in Jalen Ramsey.
1: I, you just reminded me that I never watched the finale of Hard Knocks. You didn't miss much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I missed that episode. Yeah, I think I think you nailed it, man. He's like he's not playing at the level that he was playing, you know, at his peak in Jacksonville, but he's playing really damn well. And I think he has proven he was worth making that trade for. He's going to be worth the money that we're about to pay him. Uh, because like you said, he really is elevating the secondary. He's a leader out there. Um, he has, and like you said, and not only is he like elevating and mentoring other players, like maybe we didn't get that from a Marcus Peters, uh, whom I love, but he's got gravity to him too. And, like when when he's on one side of the field i don't think quarterbacks are just not are going to avoid throwing to him the way they would with like a Darrell Revis or like uh here's a reference a peak Namdi Asomwa but oh, wow. <laughs> not Eagles Namdi Asomwa cuz all you wanted to do is throw the ball on him but uh yep. like there's not a lot of cornerbacks in the league that have like a true there's a couple but not a ton that have like a true gravity like that where uh, if he's on somebody, you're gonna be, you're automatically gonna be less likely to target them. You will target them a little bit. No he's not a, a be all end all lockdown corner, but you're gonna think twice uh, before you call plays on his side of the field because he's that good and and one thing that he's doing that Peters never did was he's made a lot of big tackles like stepping up and making tackles. It's not something you really see all the time from cornerbacks, uh, especially like a Marcus Peters who again, I love. Forced a lot of turnovers. But I feel like he had like three tackles in his tenure with the Rams. So, uh, yeah, he well-deserved, I think, for him. It is a safe choice. Um, The analytics might say somebody else, but I think think it's clear. Offensive MVP. So, I'll go first here, Johnny. And I I wonder if you have the same here. So, I'm going to go with the old man, Andrew Whitworth, who... I think struggled a bit last season for, you know, maybe it was because the guys around him, maybe he was just feeling the age a little bit, but has, he has bounced back like never before. Uh, he's picked up a couple penalties, which is uncharacteristic, but overall, I think, uh, you know, pro football focus grade wise, he's only 0.2 worse than he was in 2018, which is pretty, pretty damn high. He's the fifth best graded tackle in the NFL right now. Hasn't given up a sack. Uh, and I think just you could feel that he's back and he's anchoring uh, an offensive line that feels like they're back. I don't think they're as good as they were in 2017 or 2018, but they're much more improved than they were last year. And I think it starts with him. Uh, I think it, it's crazy how old he is that he's able to continue to play at this high of a level. I mean, he's, he's 39, right? Like, he ain't getting younger. Rarely. Do players at any position at his age uh, be this productive in the NFL, even quarterbacks? I mean, I know there's a lot of quarterbacks that are old now and still producing, but that's not common. Like, it's only a handful of, like, legendary guys. So, uh, for me, it's Whitworth. I could see an argument for a couple other skill players, but uh, he, he's my guy here for sure.
3: Oh, man, Steve, I was kind of hoping you weren't going to go with uh, Big wit here. <laughs> you uh, go okay. the same yeah, I did. God, and we are such an echo chamber of each other. Pretty much. Uh well, I I I ain't gonna go any different here because I I absolutely love the fact that Big Wick came back and is basically sending a message to the league saying that, yeah, he may be older, but he could still compete with the best of them. And, you know like like Steve said he has a couple penalties on him but even some of the better younger tackles in the league will get a penalty here and there um it's just it, it's so uncharacteristic of wit because of how disciplined and how skilled he is it it's just so weird to see but regardless you know i would much rather see a penalty from wit because It's usually for a good reason. You know, he doesn't make like boneheaded decisions usually. And to me, I would much rather see a penalty for like a holding penalty. So golf doesn't get murdered um, rather than like a false start or, you know, like five false starts in a row, like many of our drafted linemen. Um, But yeah, I, I have to say. Wit is is seriously one of the better stories of the year for the Rams, and quite frankly, I wanted to give this award to him because you don't see you don't see anybody actually giving awards to offensive linemen unless it's a dedicated offensive lineman award, uh, which is criminal because literally your offense can't function. If you don't have an offensive line, unless you're Russell Wilson, in which case that dude has been running for his life, his entire career. Um, yeah, Well uh, it's true. It's freaking true. It, it does. It doesn't matter with a guy that's as mobile as uh, Russell Wilson. Of course, he's gotten banged up in the past because of it too. But that's my point is that I feel like wit makes the entire offense much better and going back to when he joined the team, the offense just changed completely with his addition. So the fact that he continues to do this now in his older age, kudos to the guy. He he deserves honestly. This guy, if anybody on this team deserves a Super Bowl ring. It's this guy.
1: I yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with with everything. He he's the man. He uh, like you said he maybe even more so than Sean McVay, his impact was felt hard when he arrived in 2017. I mean, who we had, I don't, I don't know if I can name a single like great offensive lineman we had in between him and Orlando pace. We had some okay players. Like, I mean, Roger Saffold was pretty good, but like nobody, like I would have even like sniffed a pro bowl in that time, not even come close uh, until who who made it, made a couple here. So yeah, he, he's he's incredible. He's he's a great dude. He I I, I, I I'm glad he's here. I'm glad he's still here. Uh, we're paying him a lot of money, so I'm glad he's continuing to produce at this old age. Uh, I think honorable mentions would be Cooper Cup and Robert Woods here, both continuing to be excellent. The uh, the three of them, uh, they they just keep they keep playing great. As long as we have them, we'll continue to have a shot. Uh, here's a named award, Johnny. The Johnny Hecker Special Teams MVP Award goes to Johnny Hecker. Damn.
3: I, I hear I was thinking you were going to say Sloman again.
1: No, I actually had a Kai Forbath.
3: Ah, yeah, I guess could be an option too. <laughs> uh, do we even really need to explain this part? I mean, nope. he's Johnny fucking Hecker.
1: Yep, he's the best. Uh, like Donald, just love having him. He could potentially go down as one of the all-time great punters. Uh, and he had a flex game this year. It was against the Bears, right? Yeah. Uh, yep. He, he, had, he, he hadn't had a flex game in a while. And that Bears game, it was like, oh, yeah, like this dude is really fucking good at his job. Uh, he, he literally, I would say he was very, very responsible for winning us that game.
3: Oh, without a question, and I, I think this, you know, th- this is definitely going back to when the Rams actually really, really needed his services, um, when he was literally the team MVP. Like, i it, it's kind of sad to go back to those days, but there were literally years where he was the team MVP. You know, it wasn't before the Aaron Donald. It, it, it was it was Johnny Hecker yeah don't don't miss those days
1: <laughs> I, I I do not either <laughs> not, not at all. um fiddling oh, with my microphone. How about the Corey Littleton Award for Most Improved Player? Uh, Corey Littleton, the aforementioned award name, uh, really stepped up a couple years ago as a big surprise in the inside linebacker core, but who would you give the most? We So we have biggest surprise to later on, but I want to know who you would give most improved to, uh, because I may have the same answer and I want to know.
3: There's actually a couple of guys I was considering for this. And I, I think I'm kind of cheating in a way, but I don't give a damn. I'm going to say it anyway. Uh I'm gonna say Daryl Henderson uh is that who you had? I'm just curious,
1: <laughs> so uh, I guess we could talk about these awards together because I had Daryl Henderson for biggest surprise, uh but not oh. most improved
3: okay that that that's fair enough as well um because yeah he that it was a bit of a surprise to see Henderson you know step up as well as he did now, I'm kinda cheating in this one and actually Steve's award to Henderson actually makes a little more sense just because um, really improvement is kind of a bit of a stretch just because he's only really had one season. Um, but the reason why I said Henderson for most improved is because coming into the season, I don't think any of us really had Daryl Henderson as a legitimate number one uh, running back. And it's not even so much that he was by default, even though it kind of feels that way. He legitimately earned that number one spot. And he's a damn good running back in the league, considering he is in a quote unquote running back by committee. And he's also still not getting the amount of carries that he deserves. Um, But that's a whole nother issue. So, coming off a season where I think he had something ridiculous, like only like 68 yards for the season. I, I don't remember completely, but I I remember it was such a low amount of yardage coming into, uh, um, or coming from the 2019 season. But, um, I, I seriously did not see Henderson being the, the main back for the Rams in 2020. And, um, I, I think I had him, you know, of course, getting some touches, but I thought it was going to be dominated by acres and he completely proved me wrong. And for, for a good reason, I wanted to say he's most improved because I mean, the dude was getting nothing in 2019 to becoming, you know, a pretty, pretty big stud in 2020. So that's kind of why I cheated a little bit and went with Henderson. And uh, most improved?
1: I don't think it's cheating. I mean, he's he's very much improved, uh, especially when you talk about what he did last year. He is currently 10th among running backs in yards per carry, uh, 12th overall. Two quarterbacks would be in the mix if you uh, count that in. And, and he's, he's just playing great. Pro Football Focus has him the second highest rated running back. And the reason why I, I have him as my biggest surprise is – I'm not. I'm not surprised that he's good. Um, I mean, I mean, I'm a little surprised that he's good, especially this good. But I'm really surprised at like how the offense, when the offense has a productive day in the 2020 season, they're running through Daryl Henderson, which is not something I would have expected to say before the year. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, I thought Cam Akers would be the lead back in a in a three man committee, but uh, as it has been. Uh, although there's frustrating games where they give Malcolm Brown the ball a little too much. Daryl Henderson has been the lead in this backfield, and it, deservingly so. He was third string in week one, and with Cam Akers out, he took advantage, and he showed that he's today the best running back in this backfield and potentially the most important part um, of our offense, skill player-wise. I, mean, I don't know if I, I, how hard I would argue that, but our best days are when he is running wild. Uh, And I I don't really, it's not really up for debate based on what we've seen this year. All the games where we play poorly, we wonder why he doesn't get the ball more. Uh, He's he's been phenomenal. And uh, amplifying the point that we did not need to take a running back in the second round. I still like (laughs) him Akers. We'll see what happens. But uh, the reason why so many people didn't want that is because the Rams clearly like Daryl Henderson. They traded up to get him last year in the third round. And they were right. But now we have a now we have another guy in the mix. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, uh, he's my biggest surprise. Um, I'll give you my most improved. I had Darius Williams. Uh, obviously, a <laughs> he's been great in the secondary. Uh, we really like what we saw from Troy Hill this year. He hasn't been great. He, he'll be a candidate for most disappointing, I'm sure, for both of us. But uh, Darius Williams has has been phenomenal. Has really stepped up, helping uh, fill the void without Nick Oliver Bowman and fill the void as a secondary cornerback uh, behind Jalen Ramsey. And he actually has a higher Pro Football Focus grade than Ramsey uh, right now. He's a tenth ties cornerback graded out in the NFL. Uh, he's been great, man. And it's he was on the bubble to make the roster last year, so it's. I, I I think he deserves to be most improved. He, he played a little last year, but when he was out there, you weren't like, weren't stoked about it. Um, so yeah, that, that's my choice for most improved. And then Henderson was my biggest surprise, but truly I think you could flip him if you wanted to.
3: And that's exactly who I have for <laughs> most improved, uh, or, uh, biggest surprise rather. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's basically as you said, the, you know, Darius Williams. I have to admit, I didn't see this guy being like a starter, but this is a guy that not only has been one of the most clutch cornerbacks uh, on the Rams, but he's locked down quite a few wide receivers and some pretty talented ones as well. I mean, even looking back on the Miami game now, I know Miami offense isn't exactly an elite offense by any means um I think it's it's um something to keep in mind though that Darius Williams was the the main guy in that game with Jalen Ramsey out, so that that was a pretty tall task, considering that Williams this is kind of his first year as the main as one of the main starters and to be the guy and help, you know, basically make uh the debut of, of uh Tuotakuvaloa's um debut even more difficult. I mean it certainly helped having Aaron Donald there, but um he was one of the key factors in making sure that offense really didn't do much. Um the outcome is Besides the point,
1: well, well, uh, look, week. man. I mean, look at Miami this week. They won a shootout yeah. against Arizona. So, like, we were wondering if maybe two is just not good. No, he's good, and that makes that important. Even though he wasn't asked to do much, I think that makes our defense's performance in that game all the more impressive.
3: For sure, that that's a very good point there. So, um, yeah, just uh, totally agree with Darius Williams. Considering that this guy was a roster bubble for many off seasons. Um, And now this guy has become a legitimate stud. I don't know if it's just, he's always had that ability in him or if it's part of just Jalen Ramsey being uh, a big positive influence or both. Um, But Williams has become easily one of the biggest surprises of 2020. Um, Not even just for the Rams, but in the NFL, I'd say so. Kudos to, to Williams, and I hope that he continues to progress because we may need him considering Troy Hill is a free agent.
1: Yep, Darius Williams is a restricted free agent, but uh, usually when that happens, you you tender the guy um, and you're able to get him back for another year on a cheap deal or or you give him a, a big extension, which I don't think is going to happen. But uh, over the cap, their valuation of Darius Williams money-wise uh, which is basically what they think he would be worth on the open market is fourteen million. So, Ouch. like, yeah, man. So that's a big come up for Williams, and we'll probably have him on the cheap next year. Beyond that, uh, if he continues to play well, get the bag, brother. You're in that money, man. I'm uh, happy, happy to see him, earn it. He's earned it. Um, so, all right, we'll see. <laughs> maybe we won't have. Maybe we'll have different people for this one, Johnny. The Jared Cook Award for Most <laughs> Disappointing Player.
3: Oh geez, there's actually quite a few to choose from here.
1: Unfortunately,
3: um, I, I have a tie for two. One it, I don't know necessarily qualifies, but I'm gonna say them anyway. So, I'm I'm gonna say there's gonna be co-winners here. Um, my first choice is Sam Sloman, um, <laughs> uh, just because my god i i understand that in in his defense and in the team's defense it was like one of the worst years ever to have a triple competition for the starting kicker job and also it is hard to follow up from a kicker like greg deleg so that being said it's understandable that he would have some shortcomings. However, nice,
1: I don't know. Nice pun. He he kicked it short uh, a lot.
3: <laughs> I actually wasn't trying to do a pun there, but uh, I guess that works there, doesn't it? Um, but, yeah, I, I don't understand how bad this kicker was truly. And I, I don't know if he's going to get another chance unless teams are truly desperate. it it was kind of embarrassing to the point where the Rams literally went after Austin McGinnis back on the practice squad. And now we have Kai Forbath as, as our starting kicker. So yeah. And that's another, but uh, yeah, so that I don't even need to explain any more than that. But uh, as for the co-winner of the Jared cook award, um, that has to go to Samson Ibukam. Uh, ouch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, so I think we had maybe a tad too much expectation for Samson Ibukam uh, because we think back to one freaking game where he just went off against the Kansas City Chiefs. And he has yet to really replicate that performance. To be fair, there were moments last year where we're thinking he might turn the corner here. You know, he did did enough. But in 2020, he, he it, it almost feels like he's not on the field. Like, he, he has zero presence. And coming off a year where we really needed his... Uh, hit any kind of presence there with the the loss of Dante Fowler and Clay Matthews to that extent uh who by the way the Rams still haven't paid uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh I think I think it, it's got to be Sanson Ibukam uh for the co-winner there
1: so, so now I'm I'm curious as to who you have Steve those are probably the right picks. I went in a different direction, but I also had co-winners, so you did have me nervous that we were going to pick the same things. Uh, yeah, Ivankam has been— Yeah, the, I I just—I'm a little—
3: <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really interested because Samson Ivankam, I, I feel like is it's going to be your choice because I, I feel like he was kind of both on our radars. As to, um, as to like being like a the guy to step up this year. I mean, the, we kind of didn't have a choice in the matter. So, yeah,
1: that's another story. <laughs> okay, so I di- I didn't pick Sloman because I like how how high was my expectations really for the guy. Um, by all accounts, he was the worst kicker in camp, and they kept him for some reason. I, I don't know why, but <laughs> that was their decision. Uh, Ibu Cam has been bad, yes, but I, I also wouldn't say my expectations were that high. And when I when I think about Jared Cook, a guy who I had really high expectations for and just completely shit the bat in every regard and is—oh, sorry, Johnny, I had you muted, but I didn't have me muted on the podcast— um, Basically, I, I said I, uh, I didn't pick Sloman because I didn't have that high expectations and kind of the same for camp But when I think about the Jared Cook Award, a guy who was just unbelievably disappointing at every turn, uh, and you had high hopes for it and would show flashes, and is still fucking showing flashes. He's still playing in the NFL, which drives me insane. Um I'm going to give this to a group of players who I had really high expectations for, uh, and that is our entire tight end room with the exception of Johnny Munt, who had that one okay game and surpassed all my expectations in that game. (laughs) Um, Tyler Higby, I wouldn't say he's been bad, but he was the best receiving tight end in the NFL the last five games of the year last year. And he has had... Like one okay performance, uh, like that's it. They ha- they haven't been giving him the ball. Um, why I-, I I couldn't tell you. Um, they they don't target him. He's not doing much in the passing game. Then there's Gerald Everett who uh, just hasn't been good, quite frankly. Uh, he's he's had a good play here and there, but uh, hasn't been the reliable option that he has been in other other seasons. Uh, Higby right now is projected to finish the year with 472 yards, which is less than he had in the final five games of last year, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and then there's Bryson Hopkins, who, why he's on the team, I have no fucking clue. And he doesn't even suit up. So, like, uh, these, the, the three amigos here, I mean, it's just, it, it, they're, they're not destroying the team. They haven't really, like, well, Everett was actively bad in the last game, but I mean, beyond that, like... I don't know, man. It's just, I expected a lot more from Higby and I thought if ever it was going to be on the team, he'd be a really, really good player in a secondary role. And he's just not, uh, he hasn't done it. I don't really know what he's going to command on the open market next year. Like, like, is there a market for him? I don't know. Um, yeah, that's my choice. The tight ends.
3: <laughs> just to add a little to that, um, In Higby's defense, he has been injured at times during the season, so I'll kind of give him the benefit of the doubt there. Gerald Everett had, like, a really amazing game, and then he does what he does where he just kind of disappears or he completely ruins the fucking game. Um, And as far as Bryson Hopkins go, I think we all kind of saw this coming where he was going to essentially redshirt this year, and that's what he's basically done, and why it was important to get Preston Hopkins.
1: It it made no sense. Of all, like, we've been critical of a lot of personnel decisions, and yet none of them have been worse than drafting a tight end in the fourth round. Like, yes, Gerald Everett is leaving. Then draft a tight end next year. Tyler Higbee's still on the team. Uh, take a shot at a position of need. Draft an extra defensive end. Draft an extra inside linebacker. Draft a fucking offensive lineman for all I care. Uh, we did not need a fourth tight end. Uh, like, And I know tight ends are slow to develop. Maybe in three years we're sitting here saying, wow, that Bryson Hopkins pick was a steal. That might happen. It took Tyler Higby a couple years to develop. But just for so many holes on a team that's looking to compete this year, it, it, it baffled me that that was the pick, uh, even more so than Cam Akers, who, because you had question marks with Dale Henderson, I suppose, he didn't do anything last year, but like we didn't have questions with any of these tight ends. So just like, I, I don't know why he's here, and he, I haven't seen a reason why he's here other than to replace Tyler Higbee in like three years, which like I don't think that's a timeline the Rams should be operating right now when they... Didn't have any inside linebackers to play this year.
3: It, it's it's so interesting because at first when the Rams selected um, Bryson Hopkins, I, I was thinking to myself, okay, kind of a stupid luxury pick, but I'm kind of for it if they trade Gerald Everett which I was expecting them to trade, either at some point during the draft, or during the off season, or at at uh, the trade deadline, and neither, of course, happened. So I'm just freaking puzzled by by the decision because why why would you get one right now when there's clear needs at inside linebacker, clear needs at at outside linebacker? And even like you said, if if you want to throw in an offensive lineman in there, I guess you could. Uh, but it, it's just – it's baffling at this point since they didn't end up trading Gerald Everett. I think maybe they tried and it just didn't – they didn't get what they wanted out of the trade, so decided to keep him. But overall, yeah, I, I don't agree with the selection at this point. Um, but yeah, I I can see why you went with the uh, with the group of tight ends there. But I, I got to give props to Munt because hey, the guy is basically a blocking tight end, had a game where he stepped up as a receiver and actually made some crucial plays.
1: So, <laughs> the Johnny uh, Monk game, we had it. It was a thing that happened this year. Uh yeah, he I'm not including him.
3: And he joins a group of great Johnnies that are <laughs> affiliated with the Rams. You know, there's Johnny Hecker, Johnny Munt, and, of course, yours truly, Johnny Gomez. Johnny
1: Johnson. Yeah. Is is he really a Johnny, though, or is he John? <laughs> I, I think he's more John, but people do call him Johnny occasionally. Ah. Well, there you go. Another Johnny to the mix. Speaking of... Uh john johnson or er, er, let, let me let me say this tight ends do take a while to develop but like tyler higby wasn't really great his rookie year and was like a secondary to uh i think lance kendricks was still here uh, in 2016 yes. yeah sure. but he was playing he was suiting up he occasionally caught passes uh hopkins is just a ghost and look if Tyler Hickory is a fourth round pick too. Like if Bryson Hopkins does become a good player in three years, uh, I will say, I will admit that I'm wrong. Uh, I don't know if I will admit that on Cam Akers for different reasons, because that was a much higher draft pick. Um, but yeah, if Hopkins is good, sure. I'm wrong, but I just think there were better avenues to go there. Uh, so I want to hand out the Austin Davis award for most fun player to watch. And you know, this one, this one was tough because I like watching a lot of players on this team and I' I'm not, I'm not gonna give another award to Aaron Donald so I, I did just want to use this award to shout out uh, the aforementioned Johnny Johnson uh, John Johnson the third who uh, I get real amped up anytime I see him make a play. He's very good at safety he's very good at football. he seems like a very fun guy uh, fun to follow on Instagram. Uh, and I just love him and I wanted to give him a shout out. Uh, he's fun to watch. It brings me joy. Anytime I see John Johnson make a play. Uh, I think this might be his last year with the Rams and I hope it's not, but I'm, I'm just enjoying every second I have left with him.
3: That that's very fair, honestly. And I think I, I like your pick a little bit better than mine, but I'm not going to go back on it. Uh, just because we agree too much. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I, I can understand certainly why you would pick John Johnson, and and uh, I, I I gotta say I really hope it's not his last season here. But considering the whole cap space and uh, John Johnson is gonna want a big contract that he rightfully deserves.
1: Yep.
3: Yeah, it, it's probably not gonna happen. So um, hopefully we can at least get somewhere with John Johnson on the team because uh, e- even though Lesney clearly has a knack for drafting remarkable safeties, I I think, you know, he still will be very much missed if he's not back in 2021. Uh, so all that said, uh, my pick isn't as well thought out as Steve's is, but I, I think it's still uh, it still counts here, and that's Robert Woods. Uh, I'm still – I'm still a big fan of Robert Woods being here. All, um, all things considered, he's been one of the best investments that Les Needs has ever had as a general manager. Maybe not the best, but certainly one of them. And reason being is as, as good of a player as Robert Woods is, he's not a guy that's going to showboat. He's not a guy that's going to go out there and talk a lot of smack. Um, maybe a little bit here and there, but nothing outrageous or anything like that. He's gonna go in there. He's gonna let his play do the talking, and he and he does it year in and year out. And this this year isn't any different. He may not be um, the center of attention, but I'd much rather see a guy that put out results than a guy that'll run his mouth. So I I gotta give it to Robert Woods because this guy he he can be on a a very effective weapon on this field if given the opportunity and I think we haven't even seen the best of what he's going to do in 2020 so hopefully we see uh, we see him excel in the in, uh, game against the Seattle Seahawks because there's probably no better option than that game
1: yeah he's just so consistent man uh, I, I love watching him and uh, Robert I'm sorry that I criticized the signing of you uh four years ago uh yeah it was great it's one of the best moves leslie has made as a gm since he's been here uh he's just been so damn consistent man Uh, he's always answers the call when he's relied upon i don't really remember uh there's been games where he didn't put up numbers but i don't remember a game where i was watching and i was like man he's not playing good and i think for pretty much everyone else on the team except maybe aaron donald uh we have had those games uh, Cooper Cup has certainly had him, so yeah, he, he's great. It's a great choice. I love watching him too. I almost bought his jersey, uh, but I went Ramsey instead.
3: Shame on you, Steve. <laughs> nah, that's a that's a good that's a good choice, honestly.
1: Like uh, like many other Rams fans that I'm sure can relate, listening to this podcast, I ordered a jersey in I don't know when did they come out, like May. Uh, I ordered the Cooper Cup Bone jersey. And it keeps getting delayed, so they keep sending me coupons for the store. Uh, so they got me. Uh, I got a forty percent off coupon, and I got another jersey. I ordered Sheldon Ramsey. Uh, too good of a deal to pass up.
3: Jesus, if I knew they were gonna give you a forty percent off coupon, I I would have uh, ordered me a jersey myself. But uh, <laughs> but hey, you know, I snoozed, I lose.
1: Yeah, 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 I was happy about it. They've yeah, they keep sending them. Uh, All right, Johnny, should we end with the positive or negative award? We have two left. Which one do you want to do first?
3: Let's end on a good note. So let's start with the negative.
1: Okay, this is the Rob Boris Award for the dumbest fucking coaching decision. Um, You know, I kind of added this award because I, I enjoy ranting about this because it's just so dumb. And the dumbest coaching award for me in... A bigger landslide than Reagan in 1984 is Cooper Cup being punt returner. Uh, what the fuck? Why? Why was this ever a thing? Uh, I pray that, barring injury, we never have to see Cooper Cup return a punt for the rest of his tenure with the Rams. Uh, it would be really ideal. He's not good at it. It's a risk for an injury. It's unnecessary. Uh, and he's actively making the special teams worse by being punt returner. Uh, just it, There's no reason to do it. Uh, it's, it's one of the worst Rams coaching decisions I've ever seen, coming from one of the best Rams coaches I've ever seen. So I just pray. I pray to my Lord and Savior Aaron Donald that we never see him return another punt for the Rams.
3: You know, I have to say... I I once again like your your choice better, uh. Because, I mean, it, it, I feel like mine was. It, it it makes sense, but this your pick was probably way better and more on point. Uh, because, yeah, I still don't understand Cooper Cup returning punts. It,
1: it's I I, just, I only added this. Uh, award for that reason.
3: I I really should have thought of that because it's something we've both been super critical of since they've made the decision to, out of the blue, make Cooper Cup the punt returner. I've never seen a, a punt returner so robotic um, or hesitant, which begs the question, why
1: Cooper Cup? Yeah, and usually... Uh if a returner is that robotic and hesitant, they're not making 16 million dollars a year to play a different position. Like there's just like if it's Tavon Austin doing this, like okay, I guess you drafted the guy to do these things. Uh but it's not. You didn't draft this guy to return kicks. You didn't pay him to return kicks. It's just there's no reason for it.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I'm still so confused on that, and again, I, I'm I'm kind of sad about my pick. My pick is very basic, um, and it's uh, Sean McVay's approach to any plan, like the zero pressure defense that that, that we saw for the uh, against the Miami Dolphins, which was. I, I don't know what, what happened there. I don't know if it was just a lapse of jub, uh, judgment for uh, for Sean McVay. I don't know if Sean McVay was just off his game, but that was just fucking awful. Just seeing him make such poor decisions that entire game. And just based in a way, like I was kind of critical of Jared Goff and, For some moments in the game, it it was for a good reason. But at the same time, I kind of felt bad for Jared Goff because the Rams were running nothing special and continued to run the same fucking plays over and over. So, of course, of course, you got guys like Jared Goff just running for his life because there was no creativity. Which is odd, because when you think of Sean McVay, the thing that comes to mind is creativity. So I don't know what happened in that game. And while it, I won't compare it to, uh, I won't say it's similar to the Super Bowl game, because it wasn't in a way.
1: Well, no, it's not uncomparable because like that game, we didn't adapt. The only difference was that we didn't turn the ball over four times in that game. And therefore, we gave ourselves a good shot to win.
3: Yeah, exactly. And that, that's basically my point there. The, the reason why it's comparable is because there was no adjustments at all. And, and that's what I don't want to see for the rest of the year for the rest of Sean McVay's career because we expect better from him. And I think he acknowledged that as well. So I think uh, this week's game against Seattle is going to really determine how he is as a coach in adjustments um, because for all intents and purposes, you know, you, you have Sean McVay as a younger coach. He's not a rookie anymore, but, he is a, one of the younger coaches in the league, so he's still learning too. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my pick there. Uh, not nearly as good as, as Steve's, I'll, I'll admit that one, but I feel like it was still notable.
1: It was a decent pick. I mean, I think the reason we're so hard on McVeigh is because of how much respect for the guy we have. You know, it's um, – oh, I just started playing the intro. Uh, whoops. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, we just, we just respect the guy so much as a football mind. He's earned our respect that it's like, when he does shit like this, it's like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Like, you're better than this. We all know you're better than this. Uh, and, and it just goes on for 60 minutes, but yeah. Uh, look, if we don't, if, hopefully we are saying positive things about Sean McVay next week. Uh, this will be a, this is gonna be an important game for the team. Let's end on this. The Sam Bradford Award for Rookie of the Year. A positive. Um. <laughs> I think we're both going to be in agreement that six round pick Jordan Fuller has been the most impressive rookie on the team by a pretty wide margin. Uh, I guess Terrell Burgess would be the runner up. He he showed some flashes, but uh, for Jordan Fuller, a guy who's a six round pick stepping into a safety core that is pretty set. You know, Uh, we had two returning starters who we liked a lot and dethroning one of those guys for a job. And uh playing incredible when he's on the field and to the point where when he got injured it was like night and day that he wasn't there for for a little bit so yeah I mean he's been great I don't know what else could be said he's been the best rookie in the class by far to me Uh, a six-round pick looking to be one of the bigger steals of the Sean McVay era if he can keep this up which I have full faith that he will uh it's I always say, less need. If he knows how to do one thing, it's find safeties, and he's done it again. Jordan Fuller is. I expect him to be a start on this team for quite a while.
3: So the Sam Bradford Award for rookie of the of the midseason, I guess.
1: A former um, rookie of the year, mind you, Johnny. There you
3: go, former rookie of the year. Um, until he tripped over a pebble and tore his ACL. Uh, I have to say it has to go to Sam Sloman.
1: (laughs) I almost picked Jermaine Ancrum. Oh, oh,
3: wow. Um, Well, hey, you know, to his credit, he made the team. Better than
1: Sam Sloman, John.
3: Yeah, I mean, you don't see his name anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, of course it's Jordan Fuller. I mean, the guy is has been money since he was a starter and that kind of impact that you have on the team especially when he went out with an injury when you feel that immediate impact of losing a guy like that that says a lot and Steve and I kind of cover this a lot when about like uh lower round picks 6th 7th round picks if you Get guys like that and they become part of the team for a while. They don't even necessarily have to contribute much, but, you know, they're serviceable here and there. That's already a victory because there are times where these guys don't even make it out of training camp. So to have a guy out of the sixth round come in and immediately become your starter And not just a starter, a guy that was a stud. That's insane for a six-round pick. That is a gem of the draft right there. Uh, While it's still too early to say that he was the steal of the draft because there are a lot of talented players out there that are doing really well. Um, It's you know it, it's one of those things where like it seems like if he continues to play that well he is going to be the steal of the draft um I, I don't think there's any doubt whatsoever let's hope that he comes back i i think he's supposed to come back this week and let's hope he continues to be as dominant as he was when he first stepped on in week 1
1: yep yeah it's uh it like you you said it and we said it before like Daryl Richardson, a guy who we drafted in 2012, who had a pretty good rookie year and briefly looked like the heir apparent to Steven Jackson, had one good year, but was a win. Because if you get one good season out of a seventh round pick, that that's something. Because usually those guys don't become anything. I mean, look at Sam Sloman, look at Clay Johnson. They're not on the team anymore. Uh, with Fuller, like if he were to never play again, I think that pick was not a failure because he he was a big part of winning a couple of games. Luckily, he will play again, and hopefully he'll end up being one of the better picks of the Sneed era, uh, which which seems likely if we get three, four great years out of him like we're getting so far. Uh, he's going to be instrumental for this team down the stretch if he's healthy, and he'll he'll be a difference maker for sure, which I, I, he was not the rookie I expected to say that about, but uh, it's it's a fantastic pick. Alrighty, well, we already talked about the Seahawks game, so let's wrap it up, huh? You got any final thoughts?
3: Um, just go Rams.
1: <laughs> we could use this one. Uh, this would be a big win for us. All right. Well, follow us on Twitter, at Rivero at johnny Five Nine Six and at TalkRams. And uh, we will talk to you guys next week.
3: Sean Payton keep talking that Mm -hmm. we're gonna see him soon. You Mm feel me?